Before we kick off, just a quick thank you to our top patrons, Jennifer and Toby, who are supporting us on the Rainbow Parent tier. You're awesome. We love you. Okay, let's talk about some films. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm still Jazza John. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is Queer Queer Mainstream. mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like how both of us were like, how do we convey mainstream in our audio acting? I went like serious business. Mm-hmm. Please give us voiceover work. We are going to be discussing the first gay film ever made. <laughs> That's a mainstream rom-com by a major studio. Yes, it's Billy Eichner's bros. But before we turn to steroids to get over our ex, Jazza, what's the gayest thing you've done since the last episode? So you suggested this for me, and I thank you You're very welcome. much because I've had such a straight month. I uh, got a text from blood.co.uk saying, your blood type, which is O positive, by the way, please take a note just in case I need blood donations, is running low. Uh, the UK is having a blood shortage at the moment for O positive and O negative blood. And they were like, you've given blood before. Please come in. Now, listen up. The only time I've ever given blood was uh, during COVID when I was not having any sex. And it Humble was uh, actually... Humble brag there from Jazza. Yeah. The know. only time in my life. So in the UK, uh, men who have sex with men um, are still unable to donate if they are sexually active and are not in a monogamous relationship. I, as a little humble brag, just tweeted out... <laughs> Active sex life here. Hello, everybody. Um, Hello. Still being discriminated against, despite the fact that I am on prep, get tested regularly, and um, probably less riddled with STIs than most straight men floating around giving blood. So I did a little political activeness. Also, as I pointed out to Jazza, I love that it is still in the the theme of Jazza's updates always being about his romance or sex life. Mm -hmm. 100%. (laughs) That's it's the only qualifier that I have for my gay card. Uh, my one is going to be essentially the in the tone of what mine normally are, which is, is that actually gay, Rowan, or if you just decided something's gay? So I did a uh, went to a horror movie marathon night sleepover at my friend's house. <laughs> and we watched, you know what? One of the movies that we watched was The New Hellraiser, which does have Jamie Clayton as Pinhead in it, mm-hmm. who I actually saw in person on an elevator at a convention. Not as Pinhead. Not as Pinhead, no. Okay. And she is so beautiful. Like it, like I was just kind of slightly overwhelmed. But I also was with two of my friends and I thought that they'd spotted her and I thought we'd get off the elevator and be excited about it, except they had not clocked her whatsoever. So mm-hmm. I had a very private moment with Jamie Clayton about <laughs> six years A private one-way moment. One-way moment with Jamie Clayton. Lovely. And how was that? I'll let it, but you did it, so it's gay. It's fine. That's how it works. Yeah, Excellent. exactly. <laughs> Good job. Well, that's nice to know that I have a broader umbrella of things that I can use for this segment in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Jamie Clayton's like a trans icon, so I feel like sure. it's... And also I'm gay for her, so it fits, it works. I'll, this I'll is our it. podcast, Jazza, we make the rules. Yeah, it's our podcast, you make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. We are going to be doing things a little differently this episode, because only I have seen the movie. Bros, 
hasn't come out in the UK yet. And we it are residents of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But I happened to be serendipitously in the US last week and left a conference late at night and went to a 10pm screening of Bros, horrifically jet-lagged, managed to stay awake through the whole thing. So the plot section of this is all down to me. It was a week ago. I don't know how much I'm going to remember, but we'll see what we can do. So I'm going to be splitting it into three acts. Place your bets now as to where you think the party and its aftermath will fall. But did you think, dear listener, that I was prepared to come onto this podcast and do an episode without having done any prep? No, despite not having seen the movie, I have in fact read all of the commentary. Do I regret it? Maybe. So much discourse about this movie. And somehow Jazza hasn't come across all of this. So before we do plot, I'm going to be telling them basically why the straights let us down slash some of the gays as well in the the marketing of this movie, the discourse around this movie and what everyone has been saying about it. And then I guess I'll be finding out whether any of it is true, whether any of this discussion around this movie mm. has any validity the only thing i have seen is how pissed off billy eichner who is uh, the star and writer of this movie is pissed off and blamed the straights for not going mm-hmm. to support queer cinema indeed despite the fact that uh, fire island seemed to do fine a heads up listener we will be spoiling all of this movie if you are the type of person who likes to go in blind to films then pause now go watch it support queer cinema come back later Okay, thank you so much for coming back. It's lovely to have you. Thanks for coming. Without further ado, let's wrestle in the park and make out. It's very funny that I'm doing the lead-in when I haven't seen the movie, so don't know that reference yet. And review, (laughs) bros. Okay, so the genre today is mainstream cinema. And this is kind of interesting, right? Because what is mainstream cinema? This movie heavily marketed itself as being mainstream and that being one of its selling points. Specifically the the idea- The first gay movie. The first gay movie ever. But specifically (laughs) the idea of it being the first rom-com by a major studio in inverted commas. I think this is very interesting for several reasons. One, I don't think that that is true uh, (laughs) because I think there's definitely a lot of movies that you can consider to be rom-coms that are gay that like have major studio backing in some way. I guess it's the one that was commissioned by a major studio rather than distributed by it, maybe. But either way, the idea that one mainstream studio, like big studio is like a thing that we should be aspiring towards is one thing that's kind of implied by the fact that's part of the marketing. And two, it implies that these major studios are relevant still, which I think is in itself kind of contentious because... I think nowadays people are more likely to see a movie if it is made by a streamer than they are made by a major studio. So if you're looking to say this has had the financial backing of a big company and a lot of people will have access to it, it's kind of more impressive to potentially have it on Prime or Netflix or Apple Plus, surely. Yeah, and in terms of being able to have the uh, like that accessibility thing, who what's going to be seen by more people? I remember in the run-up to this, it was hanging on the fact that it was in cinemas, everybody go to the cinema to see it. And I felt like that was a weird thing in a... Because I only ever really do that for like the really big, big, big blockbusters. Mm-hmm. That you That is a different experience going to the cinema to see it 
there rather than in your living room yes yeah it's a what do we count as a as a major studio i think technically i looked this up for a a video about this or, or i think when i was um initially when this came out and I was like, hmm, I feel like I need to fact check the marketing of this movie because it doesn't seem accurate. And I have a feeling since I did that, probably studios have like been bought by the studios. And maybe there's only one left at this point. It's just Disney. There's just uh, Disney. <laughs> and so, yeah, basically this kind of happened and Billy Eichner tweeted about the idea of like, hey, this movie didn't do well because straight people didn't go and see it. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of had to like backtrack and defend the marketing of his movie I think the quote was the marketing is not the movie and the tweets are not the movie, but he weirdly like, it's this strange relationship where he, the people publicly talking about this movie who are involved in this movie seem to want to credit Billy Eichner with like all of it. They want to credit him with every success, but Mm -hmm. say that he has absolutely zero to do with anything negative to do with the movie, which seems very strange. Like the idea of, oh, the marketing is nothing to do with Billy. It's all to do with the studio. But then they're also saying that he is uh, like the big orchestrator of everything and this movie is all queer made and like all this stuff which I thought was very interesting as like a kind of these two things don't quite gel together to to create a full picture to me Mm -hmm. he's he wouldn't though like he he was the writer I think he has a producer credit as well if I remember correctly but it would be really weird if he had something to do with the marketing in the way that they were trying to frame the film to the general public well the very first when it was first being talked about it was Billy Mm. doing it and he was the Uh, one who was saying this is the first like he was the one who used that as as a sell right mm -hmm. it wasn't that this was being used by the studios and he like even retweeted a post about it like he Mm. was the one who first tweeted about it okay so it's Billy's fault yeah kind of and also then he continued to kind of dig this hole by doing these tweets about blaming the failure on a straight audience. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at the marketing for this movie, like that poster with like the two guys with the hands on each other's butts with Mm -hmm. this very like classic rom-com font and logo and stuff. Yeah, with the O with the like Cupid's arrow. Yeah, and like it's like the producer of Trainwreck and Bridesmaids and the director of Forgetting Mm. Sarah Marshall is what's on the poster. It feels like, who is this poster for? Mm. Like, who who did they think this poster was going to work on? Because it doesn't feel like what, in hindsight, they have been trying to sell to the queer community to try and persuade them that it isn't just a movie that they made for straight people to see in cinemas. They... Mm. In the past, we've criticised movies for not being... Or we've talked about some movies not being, like, explicitly gay in their marketing. And to be fair, like, this is explicitly gay. Mm. Like, there's a not-safe-for-work trailer that is pretty safe for work, to be completely honest. Yep. There's, like, it's explicitly two guys with their hands in in each other's back pockets on their bum-bums. Although I will say that there is a history in Hollywood of movies in which two men have to fake being gay together for Mm -hmm. various reasons, which have posters that are very similar. And the movie is called Bros. So there is, there is a, there is a, an argument that a straight audience or people who hadn't seen that this is what the movie was about might not have necessarily, especially where all of the comps are straight movies might Mm -hmm. not have necessarily picked up on that as obviously as we might have, Mm. but I do see your point. Yeah. It feels like all of those 
quotations of like mentioning bridesmaids and all of the other kind of like big mainstream and I'm, like I think those kind of movies are like straight culture trying to be like hey you'll like this too I think mm-hmm. it was trying to we called this episode ma- mainstream it is trying to put bros in the same kind of like category as those big blockbusters with like the mainstream comedian stars from the US I don't have a huge problem with that, but I think that it was overly ambitious to try and do that. Mm-hmm. I think that the like history making aspect of the narrative as being the way to sell it, because I don't think the first blah, 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 w- like was going to sell it to straight people, right? Like that felt like a mm-hmm. thing that they were doing for queer people, except like we know better. So it just yeah. felt very... We know better and Twitter and TikTok exists. So everybody said this. Mm. Yeah, there's a difference between like it's going mainstream and we're excited about that as opposed to mm. it's going mainstream and we're kind of weirdly being guilted into going to see this movie, especially mm. when we had, as you mentioned earlier, so recently it had Fire Island, which mm-hmm. was even at first glance, way more diverse, seemed to have more heart to it. It was very good and very well received and came out first. So it mm-hmm. felt like felt a bit weird. The thing that I want to talk about that I don't think you will have seen that I think is now post the initial marketing, potentially getting people less, even less likely to see it or want to see it if they've seen it, is the threads in the commentary by Guy Branham. Mm-hmm. Who, I haven't seen this. So this is... This person, Jazza, who was in the movie. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah is, okay. um, is gay fat friend. Yes. So mm-hmm. kind of down in his Twitter profile, co-star and co-producer of the major motion picture Bros is the, is the profile. Mm-hmm. So he essentially has been tweeting a lot about this. And his angle on it, mm-hmm. which has gotten like 500 quote tweets at this point. So there's a lot of commentary going on as well as a lot of people kind of discussing it, is... A sort of um, bitterness, I guess. Mm. So the first tweet in this thread reads, in talking about how cruelly Billy Eichner, white, cis, rich, hot, or not hot enough to be a movie star, depending on who's tweeting, demanded the queer community support his movie. A thing that is rarely mentioned is the rest of the cast. And then he basically talks about how this movie is great because it's so diverse and, and Billy has like magnanimously given opportunities to all of these diverse actors. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people, like, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people have pointed out that, like, cool, but the two main people are two, like, cis white The two leads are cis white, like, conventionally attractive. Billy, you are conventionally attractive gay. And including a bunch of, like, people for, like, a hot minute each is not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to launch their careers. T.S. Madison has a full six lines. Love that. I don't know what you're talking about, Rowan. And so he kind of has this thread of... Billy basically is making all these people's careers. He's incredible. He's great. And then any criticism of the the way the movie's been talked about or anything like that is like, Billy actually has nothing to do with it. it was, it's, it's, his thread kind of became peak that difficulty I was talking about of like trying to have both things at once. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, a lot of people have had many thoughts about this. This thread has kind of gone a bit viral within this, people talking about this movie. And I think that there is this element of not just the initial marketing, which I think if they that had just happened and then the people involved in the movie had just shut up about it, then maybe this would have been something that was just like, it's fine, it's a, it's mm-hmm. cute, maybe we'll see it when it's streaming. But I think Tale that this- as old as time. <laughs> this like sarcastic, bitter- kind of a bit cringe response from some of the people Mm -hmm. involved has been what 
has left a bit of a sour taste in some people's mouths who might otherwise have like given it a go at, at some point and like given it their money. Mm-hmm. That is what I know about the movie because I'm not going to lie. The trailer didn't really tell me much. Like from the trailer, I assume that there's this guy has low self-esteem and mm-hmm. he starts a romance with a guy who he thinks is too hot for him. And he works at some terrible LGBT organization where everyone's always infighting and everyone is like the worst stereotype of their their individual identity. And that's the plot of the movie. That's what I get from the trailer. And like that uh-huh. alone was not of any interest to me. That is That is the impression that I had going into it as and, well from all of the trailers yes, and stuff. from the trailers. I will say... I, it's that's not right. Ooh. That, isn't that isn't correct. Yeah. Interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear about what the truth is about this movie, the actual plot, and whether I guess at the end maybe if we could have figured out how they could have marketed this movie in a way that wasn't trash to the point where me potentially part of the target audience has really zero intention of of seeing it. At least definitely not paying to see it in the cinema. Mm-hmm. I it, uh, good. Let's do that. Okay. So there are parts of your assumptions of the movie, Rowan, that are broadly correct. Mm-hmm. Billy Eichner plays Bobby Lieber. I mean, it's basically Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner plays himself and is a host of a New York podcast radio show, which I think in the opening scene is on Facebook. He's on Facebook Live. Oh, wow. And you're seeing like all of the uh, emotes come up and all that kind of stuff. The show is called The 11th Brick at Stonewall, where he says it was trans women who threw the first brick at Stonewall and a gay man definitely wasn't the second or third, but probably threw the 11th brick at Stonewall. So this kind of starts off. The biggest problem I have with the movie is where it goes from being actually a really good rom-com, full stop, and a really good gay rom-com at that, to being hyper-conscious of the need for it to be inclusive and the need for it to asterisk and say, oh, by the way, X, Y, Z, this is what the situation is really like. Remember that this isn't like LGBTQ plus community is intersectional and blah, 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 blah. And sometimes there are points in the movie where it's almost like a piece to camera where Billy or another character will do a preachy line for a few minutes and then you're back in the movie and it's like funny and banter and all of that kind of stuff. Would you have preferred it if it was just the Billy and Boy cut where they just cut everything that isn't the (laughs) rom-com and that is just your short film? I think that is a better movie. Interesting. But I understand like the desire for it to be kind of like inclusive and intersectional, but I just don't think it worked because I don't think that it was necessarily baked into the story that they wanted to tell and therefore had to retcon all of the politically aware stuff into the story at a later date. Mm -hmm. So act one I have called as uh, it's Deborah Messing you gays. Incredible. Which is a reference to um, one of the I I, I did figure that out. Yeah there are people listening who won't know that Rowan. No, I th- so- no, no, I didn't mean that I'd figured out what the reference oh, right. was. I just mean that I'd figured out that that probably was a reference to something in act one. Uh, oh, no, no, no. So it's Deborah Messing You Gaze is a reference to a video when Billy Eichner did Billy on the Street, which was a web series. 
so there's like a there's so many videos of him running around Manhattan with lesbians going let's go lesbians let's go yes. so that's where that meme is from and then there's also he has one video where he runs around with Deborah Messing trying to find gay people and introduce Deborah Messing from Will and Grace to gay people. Deborah Messing also makes an appearance in this movie, a sweet cameo as herself, which is a callback to the Billy Eichner kind of origin story from like 10 years ago, I think is when that video first came out. And so that's why I've called the act as such. So Billy... Bobby, the character, Mm -hmm. has a lovely kind of life. I think he's in his like late 30s, early 40s, has a lovely time being independent, prides himself in being independent, happy with hookups. After he nuts in a man, um, he likes to go on a nice walk and wander around in order to clear his head and really have a nice think about the world. Enjoys long walks on the beach after a nut. Yeah, exactly. Same, to be fair. Dating profile magic. Oh, I might get on tinder after this and switch that out (laughs) good 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 shout you're welcome so bobby gets an award it look i'll be honest it looks like the british lgbt awards like a load of moneyed queers in a dining room uh patting each other on the back classic he he gets an award for best cis gay male amazing yeah and then he uh, when he gets this award he announces that he's actually going to be the curator or he's like the leader or something at the national lgbtq plus history museum that's going to be in manhattan which is where we have all of those scenes at like at his job Mm -hmm. with all of these other people who are on the board of the history museum the queer Britain Museum uh, wept at the suggestion that this is the first movie, but it's okay. This is a fictional, mm-hmm. a fictional world. He goes out, celebrates, ends up catching eyes with Luke McFarlane, <gasps> who we a favorite have, of the podcast, a, a favorite of the podcast. We love him. We love him. For anybody who hasn't heard our Christmas special episode, uh, Luke McFarlane has a long history of starring in straight roles in Hallmark movies, mm-hmm. and then got to star in a gay Hallmark movie. I forgot to say this, but that Twitter thread that I was quoting earlier from the guy, I think Mm -hmm. the thing that made me like, maybe slightly biased against this man's opinions was that he talks in this thread about how Billy Eichner basically is like making loads of people's careers. He mentions Luke, but it's like basically that Billy rescued him from this like awful genre of like rom-com. And I'm like, bitch, you're in a rom, like this is a rom-com you're doing right now. And Luke's great at what he does. So Go away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was trapped in straight rom-coms for a while there. Yeah, and, and Luke is the, the perfect casting for this, I think. So he's this muscly, toned, dolphin-like smooth body. Himbo or smart hot? A little from column A, a little from column excellent, B. Excellent, excellent. So they begin flirting. Bobby and Luke McFarlane's character, Aaron, uh, end up flirting a little bit. They start saying about how dumb gay men are and gay men love self-deprecating and complaining about Mm -hmm. other gay men so really beautiful moment for the two of them and then Luke McFarlane's character disappears so this ends up being kind of like a a running thing of they'll be talking maybe they'll lean into a a ghost. He might be actually. This is the sixth sense. Um, oh my twist! What you didn't twist. see it coming. I did not see that coming. You're right. The trailer didn't give it away. No, exactly. And so we have this running joke, I guess, of Luke's character kind of going off and having a threesome, and Bobby not really knowing whether Aaron is interested in him or not. The two of them end up texting. 
and the uh, text there's like high banter, but uh, Aaron is giving a uh, vibe of like, oh, you're you're very straight. Like he's using the office gifts mm. in their text conversations and all of that kind of stuff. And then eventually they end up going out to the movies and having like a proper date where they don't hook up. <gasps> shock horror. I know. Shock horror. However, ah. we then have actually no. What is the however? There is no however here. The joy. And the best bit of this movie are all of the sex scenes. Actually, the best cut of this movie is all of the sex scenes spliced together. It'll be 15 Mm. minutes and it'll give you a big belly laugh. That's a long, long amount of time. They're so good. So um, at the end of the day, Aaron ends up being like, hey, do you want to come to this threesome with me with this couple? That's love. And Bobby is like, uh, nah, I, I, like I don't, I don't really want to. And then eventually gets convinced to go. And they have, we have this cutaway of them like kissing. Like we don't know whether they've gone to the three way or to the to the to the four way or not. We cut to just Aaron and Bobby kissing, and then it pans out, and then this this couple giving just Aaron head. <laughs> so. Aaron is sitting there, all of them butt naked. Aaron is sitting there with two guys on his crutch, and Bobby is there, kind of like on the side, like leaning over and kissing Aaron. Oh my god, Bobby. And Bobby just goes, You know what? I think I'm going to go. And he's like, Are you sure? Are you sure? And then Bobby just like splits and bounces. More of these sex scenes to come. It's very, very good. Deborah Messing, we're at work. Now, mm-hmm. Deborah Messing has done something controversial, and I cannot remember what the thing is that's controversial, but she needs to make something up. Like, she's done something homophobic. She's tweeted something homophobic. And so, in order to rectify this, she has decided to have a meeting about donating to the LGBT museum where Bobby works. Bobby then starts complaining to Deborah Messing about his love troubles and confusing relationship with Aaron. And... Uh, Deborah Messing loses it. It's like, why do gay men always think that they can divulge all of their secrets to me? All they want to do is vent to me. I am more than just Grace from Will and Grace. And that's pretty much all of Deborah Messing's character and her cameo Incredible. in the whole movie. It is, it is lovely. It's nice to get it out of the way. So when they were out on the date, they end up bumping into one of Aaron's old schoolmates. And the schoolmate then later comes out as gay. So this old flame that Aaron had, he fancied ah, him okay. in high school. Classic, classic, um, yeah. So now, yeah, yeah, we have someone for uh, Bobby to compete against. And we find out that he's gay as li- a little seed for later on. We then have the second fantastic sex scene. Actually, you know what? I'm renaming this. This is just like sex scene galore, this act. Okay. There is a scene that has been, that's on YouTube. You can watch it. Of... I love that you've looked it up. Like you went to see it and was like, I need to double check if I can have easy access to, to this scene. I just need to double check this again. Yeah. So they're out on a date. Alan and Bobby are on a date having a picnic in Central Park. Adorable. I assume anyway, because I think Central Park is the only park in the whole of New York. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Yeah. They're having a conversation and Aaron just keeps on looking at all of these muscled guys playing I guess it's not rugby. It will be American football, won't it? And Bobby goes, you like those guys. You like like hot, straight, muscly guys. And then, and Aaron's like, no, 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 it's not just that. Blah, 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 blah. And then they start wrestling in the park. We've discussed this trope already, Jazza. We, we get there. We're, um, we're fighting. We're wrestling. We're rolling around. And then the sexual tension starts. The best bit of this scene is that the rugby players come over and think that two guys are fighting in the park. 
and go over to break it up. Oh my God, amazing. Um, and then they kiss and the the rugby players are like, oh yeah, sorry bro, sorry bro. And then bounce. Incredible. We cut to Bobby's apartment and the sex scene where they're doing the most over the top, oh yeah, you like that? You like, oh, fucking touch my muscles, hit my chest. Oh my Ooh. God. It's the funniest fucking thing. I'm literally there cackling in the cinema watching this. We've talked before on the podcast about this weird trope where like gay guys will physically fight each other in order for them to be able to kiss. So I like the fact that this came after they'd already like been making out previously. It wasn't like, oh, look how violence is inherently tied to our being gay. It was like kind of just in there in the middle as a fun little role play situation. It was absolutely wonderful. After the second sex scene, there's another one, don't worry. Yes, um, of course. Because Bobby fucked it up with Deborah Messing, you gays, he has to go up to Provincetown to court a millionaire to be a new financier mm-hmm. for the for the museum. They uh, end up going up and meeting uh, Bowen Yang yep. um, from Fire Island yes, fame. Yes, indeed, from Fire Island fame. Where eventually Aaron um, ends up helping to get a $5 million donation. We knew Aaron was, we were keeping Aaron around for a reason. Yeah, exactly, 100%. So there's a couple of things that happen in this province town section. One, we find out that Aaron is taking steroids. Sorry, not steroids. So Bobby opens the door and Aaron full-on has a needle in his leg. (laughs) And Bobby's like, I didn't know that you take steroids. And Aaron goes, it's not steroids, it's just testosterone. Aaron, sweetie. That is that is what steroids are. Steroids are are testosterone. I was I was wondering for a second there whether we were going to have a surprise trans love interest, but it sounds like he's just no, taking steroids. No, 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 just just a himbo gay man. Okay, classic. Yep. And so this happens, and Aaron goes, "Well, you like the fact that it makes my body hot and sexy for you." Bobby just kind of goes, okay, and then it's not really mentioned ever again, the steroid abuse. Sure. They also have, there's this moment where um, they're on the beach and they're talking in Provincetown. And this is another one of like the two camera moments where Bobby talks about the fact that he was always told that he was too gay. When he was in acting class, he was told he'd never be be able to be an actor because he was too effeminate. Mm -hmm. Whenever he was interested in gay history or writing about gay history, he was always told that it was too much why are you always talking about this all of the time? And Aaron's goes, this is crazy. I think that you're one of the most confident people I've ever known. And Bobby's like, it's all just an act. And then they make out again and probably have sex again, but that's off camera. Ah, so you were like, unimportant. Yeah, Moving exactly. on. Unimportant. I now move into my act two, Mm. which I'll be honest, is is relatively short. Okay. But does contain the best of all three sex scenes. Mm, Excellent. Uh, I am calling this the party and its aftermath. Of course. We had had to have one. We had to have one of these. For anyone who hasn't listened to this podcast before, (laughs) because you had to have not listened to this podcast literally ever, because every single episode in which we talk about a movie, we managed to somehow gay movies just seem to have a party and also the party's aftermath in there sometimes Mm -hmm. multiple parties so we knew it was coming i honestly Mm -hmm. challenge any of you to find one that we can't party in its aftermath up because it's truly a couple of times that we've had to like crowbar it in a little bit no 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 no, there was always a party and there's always it's been seamless it's been completely (laughs) seamless the entire time okay so tell me about this party 
They've been dating on again, off again for a while, and we end up at a holiday party where it's like all very festive, crackers, Christmas trees, gifts, all of that kind of stuff. So Josh, who is the guy who Aaron fancies from school, yes, who is now newly out, is also at this party that Bobby and Aaron are at. Mm-hmm. And Aaron starts talking to him, and then they have the monogamy question. Oh, Okay. And I'll be honest, Bobby does not need a lot of convincing. Um, And so they decide to end up having a three-way. With Josh. Yeah. So this sounds like... Everything. That seems so fine. It's going to be hot, right? Well, to be honest, it is fine because it ends up not being anything about Josh because a fourth... They put their hands... They all agree to like go back to Bobby's flat and have a three-way. And then... This fourth guy just kind of like turns up in the frame and goes and then puts his hand on one of the other's shoulders. And then he's just there for the best of the sexy. Incredible. So, so they've accidentally turned this three way into a four way. And this fourth guy is just always there, like. Hi. Just trying to insert. Hello. Hi. Like always trying to insert himself into like this passionate thing. Incredible. I I literally nearly pissed myself laughing at this scene. It's one of the best scenes I have ever seen in cinema. Yeah, I feel like I need a supercut of this movie, but it's just all of the funny sex it's scenes. It's just all the sex scenes. Honestly, that was where this movie absolutely shone. And I've been, I'm annoyed that that apparently hasn't been part of any of the discourse at all. Mm, unfortunately not. So after they've had a four-way, Aaron's family comes to visit. They've never been to New York before. And Bobby is told to turn it down. By Aaron. Mm. So uh, wow, it... what an original <laughs> storyline. <laughs> maybe just like you're at an eleven. Maybe take it down to a six. Mm. That would be great. And it all culminates to when they're in a restaurant where there are musical theatre actors performing around them. Incredible. And Bobby has an argument or like an intense conversation with Aaron's mum around the fact that Aaron's mum is a teacher and says that second grade, which is about seven or eight years old, uh, second grade is too early to start teaching kids about LGBT history. Oh, Lord. And she goes, it's a bit early, though, isn't it? And then they have a big argument, and then Aaron and Bobby break up. Classic rom-com, break up in the second act. We knew it was mm-hmm. coming. Oh, uh, also, sorry, we're not we're not quite at the depth of Act Two yet for them to climb out of. There's a huge fight at the museum, which is where a lot of the clips from the scene of all of the other people who are on the board mm-hmm. end up fighting. I only remember T.S. Madison because she eats up every single scene that she's in. Yeah, I was going to say it seems pretty pointed the fact that through this entire summary of all of the important plot points, which so far has lasted almost half an hour. Um, you have not mentioned any of these uh, supposedly extremely important secondary diverse characters one time. They have... They're not important. Uh, they're, they're, they're not important. They have some great one-liners, but that is about it. They then end up having a big fight because Bobby wants to put on an exhibition about Abraham Lincoln being gay. And they're like, you can't. He was bi. And you can't. The Republicans will hate it. And then they tear a pride flag in half. And that's where my act two ends. The symbolism. What's your autumnal fantasy? Getting steamy and frothy after a pumpkin spice latte? Having sparks fly somewhere other than a Catherine wheel this bonfire night? No matter how you want to increase the temperature this season, 
Dipsy has a sexy story for you to indulge in all your fantasies. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women and for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on, pumpkin-themed or otherwise. Hear the sexy voices of Sarunas J. Jackson, ER Fightmaster, Luke Cook and many others in stories like you've never heard before. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favourite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness stories, and now they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash queermovie. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash Queer movie, or one word, darlings. Dipsystories.com slash queer movie. Have you ever wondered what life would be like on a planet different from our own, or how writers create your favourite fictional worlds? Well, you need wonder no more because we have the facts for you. Every other week, astrophysicist, folklorist, and Previous guest of this podcast, Dr. Moya McTeer, explores fictional worlds by building them with a panel of expert guests, interviewing professional world builders, or reviewing the merits of worlds that have already been built. You'll learn, you'll laugh, and you'll gain an appreciation for how special our planet really is. Subscribe today by searching ExoLaw in your podcast app, or go to exolawpod.com. We are also continuing to be supported by Squarespace, who can help you buy a domain and create a website. We've talked in the past about how much we love using Squarespace as a way for us to create our websites, for us to be able to access analytics, data crunching is fun, and creating email campaigns, and of course, Because we're busy social media personalities, me and Rowan like to connect all of our social media in one place, and Squarespace allows you to do that. We know you hear a lot from your favourite media creators and their discount codes when it comes to Squarespace, but we would love it if you would choose to help support us at the Queer Movie Podcast. Just go to squarespace.com slash queermovie, and when you set everything up and you're ready to make all of your digital dreams come true, you can use the offer code QUEERMOVIE to save 10 percentage points off your first purchase of a website or domain. Remember, go to squarespace.com slash QUEERMOVIE. Now, back to the show. Okay, wow. So, Dark Knight of the Soul, here we go. How are we going to claw it back from the brink? Bobby slash Billy. So we're now in act three. Bros and bros. Okay. Excited to figure out what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Wait for it. So Bobby in the depths of depression after he breaks up with Josh. No, no. Breaks up with Bob. With Aaron. The other white guy. Bobby decides to go on steroids as well. Oh, sure. Why not? So Bobby takes... One steroid shot. He takes one steroid. He takes, I'll have one of your finest steroids, please, sir. 
and then goes to a gym, puts his hat on backwards, his cap on backwards, oh, and then lowers his voice. Hey, bro. Spots for this guy in the gym, hooks up with him, and then when they get out of the... There's no actual sex scene, but there's a post-coital scene. Bobby goes back to his normal voice, <laughs> and this guy in the gym goes, uh, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Who are you? And then Bobby just leaves. Mm-hmm. So this, I think, really is the nadir of the um, of the thing. Uh, okay, I okay. Here's the thing. I know that this would not this would this humor would have been too much for this movie, but fully the obvious thing to have said then, like at this moment in which you'd just taken a single a single steroid judging by conversations that have previously been done and someone said what the fuck that he in that voice would say oh i'm sorry this is just my voice one day on tea (laughs) would have been extremely (laughs) fucking funny but i feel like this movie wasn't ready to go go to these places of genuine queer humor would have been amazing (laughs) sorry my voice is still breaking (laughs) oh my god okay excellent right this Phenomenal. is incredible. Yeah, don't worry. And we're going to like run uh, to the end of this movie now. So Bobby ends up going back to work and reconciles with everybody else, including T.S. Madison. Wonderful, excellent. They decide what to put on. They say, oh, everybody needs to be represented here. Really excellent. Good job. Aaron, while they've been separated, has decided to quit his job and fulfill his dream of making miniature chocolates. Cool. I'm assuming that that was referenced at some point previously some in the point, movie but or something. But I forgot and it is it is not important. Excellent. Then Aaron like sends a video to Bobby showing him all of the queer themed chocolates that he's made. So he's got a silence equals death chocolate. He's got a pink triangle chocolate. <laughs> is it like a good. I've learned so much from you. Here yes, are my it's chocolates. Very much that vibe. It's very much that vibe. Wow. And then they have the the opening of the museum. Deborah Messing is is there. Wow. She dares show her face. Again. Again. How here. dare she? Deborah. She hasn't been uncancelled in this Mm-mm. narrative. And Bobby decides to text Aaron and say, it would be nice if you were. It would be nice if you came. Aaron then has a conversation with his actual biological bro. <gasps> oh, bros and bros. Bros and bros. Bros and bros. Well, Do we know he had a bro? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was also reference. Well, but also, the bro had nothing interesting to do for the whole thing. He was just kind of there when the parents were visiting and didn't have a single line. But Standard, the bro yeah. was there. The bro was there. And so Aaron's bro convinces him to go to the museum. And then Bobby does a musical number in a country music style, mm. because that's what Aaron likes, also referenced earlier in the mm-hmm. movie. Then they kiss, and then they say, uh, oh, um, Bobby gets down on one knee and says, will you date me for three months and then reassess? I like that. And then they date for three months. We get a cut to Aaron's mum bringing her second grade class to the LGBTQ plus <gasps> museum in Manhattan. Cute, that's gross. Great resolution. <laughs> I know, they're too young. Uh, <laughs> they're still dating. And then Bobby keeps on asking Aaron if he wants to have kids. And that's the end of the movie. Setting up for a sequel that I'm pretty sure will not happen. Not happen. Yes, exactly. Wow. What was, okay, question. What was, when the bros and the bros were having a conversation, sure. like why was Aaron not going to go back to Bobby, like, what was the actual reasoning behind this? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Compelling. Compelling answer. Yeah. All in all, I really liked this movie. Ooh, excellent. I would recommend watching it. I will yeah. say it feels th- in this day and age where really I only go to, like, to the movie movie for, like, an art house. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, all right. Like a film festival. All right. Shut up. 
shut up i was like i was i was like ready i was with you when you're like, i only really go to the cinema and i'm like yeah i too only go to the cinema for but i was gonna say like movies where you want them to be on the big screen because they are like spectacular or they like i went yeah. to see the woman king the other day holy shit that go and see that movie in a cinema because it's absolutely fantastic on a big screen not an mm-hmm. art house jesus maybe i, like I would go and go see it to festivals i would go to see an art house movie in a cinema because it means that i like have had to pay so much money that i would not be forced immediately to like turn it off from boredom uh-huh. so i guess you know you get the best of both worlds with this podcast you know what i mean you get two All very right, different people we get to put two, two very different people on this podcast so if i can finish my yeah sentence, sure either like an art house feel at like a film festival or something where it's like a shared experience or for like the big blockbusters mm-hmm. so like all the marvel movies i'll go and watch wakanda forever there etc et et oh et yeah very excited to cry during that movie there is no need for there to for this to be seen in the cinema this i think and I know that the they were so excited about this being a, a big blockbuster release. This belongs on the streaming service. Mm. I think in this day and age, and actually I think that is the case for all of the movies that were referenced, like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Bridesmaids and things. I think if they were released now, they would also belong on streaming services. Mm. And I think that's just where we're at yeah. with this kind of media production at the moment. Mm-hmm. I agree. And part of me wonders whether there is this element of like Billy Eichner through this long career that he's had getting given this opportunity and feeling like in a, in a weirdly in the way that a lot of YouTubers, you see them wanting to get into like mainstream, like there was Mm -hmm. that period where a load of YouTubers tried to have TV shows and it's Mm -hmm. like, why is this your dream? Like, why is it just so you can say? Well, it's because that's what they were I had a blockbuster movie because that's what previously has been the mark of success. And it kind of feels almost like, I wonder if that was part of it for Billy Eichner, where it's like, okay, I've been given this opportunity by a company that will allow me to be a movie maker, right? Like write a mm-hmm. movie that's going to be on this in the cinema and I get to like, mm-hmm. cause that's what used to be success. And I, I feel like we're getting to that tipping point where actually you can have a success. You can have something that feels like genuinely important, impactful, celebrated and enjoyed that n- is a movie that's never in a cinema. Mm-hmm. And, and to be fair, he's a very successful actor. He's had four Emmy nominations. But in terms of, it sounds like this was the thing that he, or at least the yeah, way it's been talked about, goal. like he, got, he, this was the goal he was working towards. Like this was a thing where he got given some money to make a thing he wanted to make, you know, all of that stuff building towards this goal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably part of where this reaction from him, I guess, and potentially other people has come from is the fact that this was not the realization of the goal he thought it would be. Yeah, 100%. I I think that you see that nowadays with a lot of content creators. Mm. So like our generation, or maybe more my generation, because I'm... You're not that much older than me, Jazza. My generation. Everybody wanted to get a like radio show or a TV show Mm -hmm. off the back of their YouTube channel. Whereas now you see people who have gotten started on like TikTok and their goal is to have a a successful YouTube Mm. channel. And those kind of like ideas of what are successful are really baked into what we want to achieve at the beginning of our careers. And I think that maybe Billy Eichner is a bit of a, I don't want to say victim, that feels a bit melodramatic, but he's hes a victim of, of that being like the end goal of what he wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. He's made a great movie. It is a very good movie. The preachy stuff doesn't fit very well. And mm. It feels like an afterthought. And I'm sorry, it is not, uh, there are plenty of like 
people from different backgrounds in it, but they literally have like a handful of lines. Yeah. And most of that representation is around that boardroom table of the museum. Yeah. It's not going to it's not going to start anyone's career is what I'm getting from this. No, yeah, 100%, exactly. What's that? Okay, can I just ask, in terms of mm -hmm. talking about the baked-in story, like talking about the central story, yeah, was there a Aaron reason? Because I just looked up a screenshot of Josh as well, who was also white, right? Yeah. Was there a reason why all three of these named, the only named characters that I heard about during that summary were all cis gay white guys? Uh, yeah, all of them. Was there a reason? Like, did it, to you, uh, would it have fundamentally changed the movie? Like, would it have no, complicated it? Have. it? No, Josh wouldn't have, like, at all. I mean, the fact that I'm saying this and I, it feels like I'm clasping at straws for this. The guy that Bobby hooks up with when he's on... <laughs> I was about to say, when he's on T, um, uh, when he's had his first steroid shot and does the voice thing, that guy's black. Wow, that was a grasp. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because I do wonder, it's that, like, it, it feels like hearing that like if you had turned around and been like oh well actually this whole movie is about like all these people the trailer was kind of a fake out and there was all of this mm -hmm. stuff going like that would have been different but it sounds like it's that wasn't the case and it was it is it's a lovely gay story and i think it wanted to well i think as an afterthought it wanted to be something else but it's billy eichner writing about his person mm -hmm. writing about his experiences and an older gay man in New York, and that's fine. And it's really, really good at that. Like at its core, the thing that the movie at its core is trying to do is really, really good in telling that story. But then it tried to be so many other things at the same time that it felt half-assed. Okay, I have a final question for you, which is based on this Guy Branham thread, which was right, a tweet that I wanted to like listen to what you had said before then reading you the tweet because I was like, maybe it'll become apparent that this is true. From what you have said, it feels like this tweet that he has done isn't doesn't feel necessarily accurate. So someone had replied to him and basically said, this just seems very like hot white bros. And I have a feeling that like a lot of people who don't fit that demographic will feel like they don't necessarily feel invested in a story about these people potentially also because those are the kind of people who have like not necessarily treated them very well with mm -hmm. even within the community and guy replied with the tweet saying this movie is about the dehumanization white bros have committed against fat femme and poc gay people and the obligation to move past it this could have been a movie that pretended there's no toxicity in the queer community instead it tries to examine it have you even seen the movie does that feel accurate to you uh it's a stretch. I will say, I, I just remember, Bowen Yang is also in the, is also has like a significant mm. role in it as like the benefactor, um, as another person of colour who I forgot about. Kind of. I think it, it means that you have to view Billy Eichner's character, Bobby, as like the subject that is meant to be like expanding Aaron's horizons. And to a certain extent he is because he's like, he talks too much. He's he's frail. There's a scene where Bobby talks about his um, concave chest and things like that. But I don't I, I wouldn't say it's like a central theme mm. of the movie, to be honest. It more seems to be about Bobby being able to be accepted for the loud, brash, politically active person that he is and finding his space in the world while still being true to that. Mm. I don't think it's really got the wider commentary side of things down. Mm. That's very fair. Okay, in which case I mm. think, I mean, I feel like I can't 
do the rating, the fun rating. Oh bit. my god, do I? I just have to do it. So it's you. Okay. So you you have the definitive rating of this movie. So if you are new here, we rate our movies by giving them bars of the six-barred rainbow flag. Red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, and purple for spirit. I'm going to give it... I really want to give it five. I really liked this movie. Oh my God, that's really high for you. I really liked this movie. I haven't... There are a few movies that we've watched that I've genuinely been pissing myself rolling around laughing. Dang. If this were were a super cut of the sex scenes, this is a six-bar movie. I'm going to give it everything apart from spirit. Okay. So all of the colours down and excluding purple is what I'm going to give this movie. That was... I didn't even expect that. Fully aware that you would not give it this. I yeah, I mean, you know what? You've taken advantage of the fact that I am not able to rate this movie. But mm. maybe I'll just tell you my rating once I have eventually seen it when it comes onto a streaming service. I'll give you my own little ra- rating on WhatsApp. Exactly, we'll work on it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes, we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our Queer Movie Club, where we do watch-alongs on our Discord each month, but that, my dear friend, is the bare minimum of what you will receive. At higher levels, you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with a curation of all the gay shit we find on the internet. This month's was intentionally um, lesbian-centric with Velma from Scooby-Doo and Negroni Spagliatos, um, but we give the other letters of LGBTQ some space as well, and I promise to do so in future letters. And thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us at the highest tier on Patreon. We uh, cannot believe that we have the support from you. We are so excited and so happy. So thank you so much. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you are notified when our next episode comes out. We have been Jazza John and Bowen Ellis. We are edited by Julia Shafini and a part of Multitude. Find more of their amazing stuff at multitude.productions. Thank you so much, my darlings. You'll hear us very soon. Bye. Toodaloo.